0: Welcome to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Welcome back to Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron. I'm Drew Jordan. And man, the season two is rocking along. We've got uh, we've had some pretty great conversations uh, with a lot of great comics that I I'm kind of pumped that they even said yes uh, to coming on this podcast, uh, which is very true about our guest today. But before we get there. Let's get back into our callbacks from last episode with Tom Takar. What you got, Brian? Yeah, so Tom was uh, great sharing a lot of information about
1: the industry. Usually I get on the industry stuff, usually get into writing and he talked about his home club in Indiana that, that came up. And that was where he was able to get in front of and make relationships with touring comics eventually that took him on the road. I think he specifically mentioned Nikki Glazer. So uh, it's important that you get to those clubs once you're ready. Of course, once your materials ready, find a way to get on those stages and make those relationships. What you got, Drew?
0: Yeah, the thing that definitely I was I was loving his writing style. It's something that I am doing more and more. I think it's a new comic uh, something that I thought I was supposed to do was sit down in front of a pad with a pen and like write the jokes out. And as I'm kind of maturing and growing and and kind of like figuring out what works best for me, his thing was uh, one of the specific things he mentioned was when he's driving, he'll drive to it. Like maybe he's got a gig like two or three hours away and he would just use that time. He wouldn't listen to podcasts. He wouldn't do anything else. He would just like talk through things kind of write out loud as he's talking to himself and i found that that is making me a better writer i like the bits that i write like that and so that's something i'm trying to to really apply to myself and i love that he brought that up and i'm finding success there it's something he does so uh, I'm, i'm excited to to dig into that a little deeper in my own writing yeah. And he said it
1: right. Just like you talk. That's that allows you to talk mm-hmm. out ideas instead of sometimes you write something down and you try it on stage without saying it out loud. That's just absurd. And that's a uh, setup no. for failure. So don't make that mistake. <laughs> so check out that episode with Tom Takar and all of our episodes. The conduit to everything is breaking down bits, breaking down bits uh, One other call out, Drew, we've got our online open mic. I think I told you right before yeah. the show, I had a I had a, a corporate show today and actually used something from one of the comics that the two things that I got from that open mic. So it's helping my comics comedy uh we accept seven spots we are going to do it this week and we try to do it most weeks on tuesday evenings at 10 p.m eastern so sign up on uh our website or on our email breaking down bits at gmail.com
0: yeah that's such a fun time uh such a cool time because it's just kind of intimate only a handful of comics um people get some really great feedback and we already we always have fun with that so if you want to get in uh, shoot us an email. You're not gonna. You're not gonna have a bad time. You're gonna get some tags. You're gonna meet some some great comics. Uh, and though I'm, what I'm so surprised about Brian is that these are not all newbies. These are some guys who have been doing it a while, and their feedback is excellent. And it's been such a fun time. Yeah,
1: great way to network with comics across the country. So please send us an email, and we'll try to get you up on one of those mics.
0: All right, sure. You ready to uh, to bring in our guest? Uh, yeah, I can't. I, I kind of can't believe that uh, he said yes, but we are so excited. to to introduce today's guest, Mr. John Caparulo. John Caparulo got his first big break at the 2003 Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal. Throughout his comedy career, he's appeared on The Tonight Show, The Late Late Show, Comedy Central, and he regularly appeared on Chelsea Lately during its seven-year run. His special John Caparulo Meet Cap aired on Comedy Central in 2008, and he released his second album titled Come Inside Me in 2013 on Netflix. In 2018, Caparulo began a weekly residency show and performs John Caparulo's Mad Cap comedy five nights a week at Harris, Las Vegas. Hey, John Caparulo, how are you, man? I'm
2: good. I'm good. Nice to see you guys. Nice to talk to you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So glad to have you uh, on the podcast. Just thank you for saying yes. Um, oh, yeah. every now and again, there's, there's comedians that that say yes. And we're kind of shocked and excited. And, uh, you've had such a interesting career, such a, such a long and successful career. We're excited to get to kind of pick your brain and and get some FaceTime with you. So thanks for saying yes.
2: Very cool. Yeah, no, I, uh, um, With the way things are right now, uh, I have, I don't have the nerve to say no to anything because what, like, what, what what am I going to do? Yeah, like, what, yeah, it's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm busy. What are you doing? What? So, yeah, it's, uh. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, I, I'm around, I'm around guys. So,
1: but, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. I emailed you while I was watching that comedy uh, store documentary on Showtime. I was like, John, yes, let's get John. And so uh, I imagine that's where you got your start in comedy. Uh, tell us a little bit about the early goings of your career. Um, yeah,
2: I, uh, well, I started doing comedy in uh, uh, w- w- when I was finishing up college at Kent State. So around Cleveland and Pittsburgh and, uh, you know, I wasn't even really two years in yet before I, I, you know, I moved to uh, Los Angeles, which, you know, I know for a lot of people are like, they like to, to, uh, you know, they said they, was, they wanted to hone their craft more before they uh, made the big move. And I can understand doing that, but for me, it was like, you know, it was easier to go do. It was a, easier to go try to grow and become a, a decent comic where nobody else, nobody knew me because you know, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to suck in private. So it was, uh, it was, it was a lot. It was, a, it, 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 just felt a lot more, yeah, liberating. Because I, I, never wanted to, you know, to worry about, you know, somebody I know or my family or something like that showing up at a show when, you know, I, I just didn't have the confidence to. Know. I, you know, I still don't really. I mean, but it's, uh, you know, but, but I, you know, I, I moved to uh, to L.A., you know, and I, I think what it did though, it also, I didn't have much of an ego either which, you know, you can kind of develop it the longer you are in in the business. And I think, you know, when I got to Los Angeles when I got to L.A., the first time I was at the comedy store, you know, we used to have to draw numbers. I don't know how they do it now. They might still do it the same way. But we used to have to draw numbers out of a bucket uh, to to get to eat. If you drew a number, you got a spot for the next Sunday. And if you did, you drew a blank, then you you were shit out of luck. And uh, I was lucky enough. I drew a number. I remember I drew number six the first time, uh, for open mic at the, or the uh, potluck at the comedy store. And, um, I, uh, I, I, I did my, I did my spot. And remember a guy named Bob Oshak, really funny comic. I don't know if you know him. Um, he was the host. And I remember I got off stage and he was like, He's like, Hey man, you know, if you want, I can recommend you for a showcase for the, for the owner. So you don't have to do this shit anymore. And I remember thinking, <laughs> and I remember thinking, you know, I, I obviously I was like, that's awesome. Thank you. But at the time I was like, what, I think this shit's great. Cause I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, cause it, for me, it was like, I was coming from, you know, Cleveland and Pittsburgh where it was like, they, there was literally like one open mic a week in, in Pittsburgh that I could go to. And there was no, nothing else at the time. So it was uh it, it was it was, uh, it was it was great so I yeah I ended up being a doorman at the comedy store and uh working my way up from from there and uh cut grass during the day and you know oh. it, it was life life uh life sucked but in in a way that 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 made that, that made me a good comedian I guess it made me it, it helped me a lot
0: Yeah. So you, you got just for laughs in 2003. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So what in the world happened between I'm the door guy and I cut grass and I got just for laughs. Like what was the transition that got you to there? Um,
2: you know, really it was, uh, I, I guess I, you know, I worked the door until 2001 and then, then I was just cutting grass and doing comedy. And, uh, <laughs> it, but it, it was like, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, you know, I was just, it was basically, it was just, you know, going through all the, you know, struggling still. I, I couldn't get any spots really at the comedies. So I was still waiting for fallout spots. Actually, like when I worked the door, I at least got paid to wait. But I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it, you know, it was just, I guess, you know, going through that struggle and and plus you know you know cutting grass i you know i ended up you know uh making a bit out of you know the the horrible job that i had cutting grass at a golf course at the time and uh it ended up you know it was sort of like you know it 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 you know everything that was going on was sort of you know motivation because you know you you know you want to make it so badly but you you want to you know You you just want, I just want to be a good comic. That's really what I wanted to do. And I, I just, you know, I kept grinding away at it and grinding away at it. And I finally got to, uh, yeah, I got to the point where, you know, I started getting like, you know, I, I, you know, showcases I got, I had management, you know, sorta. And um, I got showcases (laughs) for um, uh, Montreal. And I remember when I showcased for Montreal, I remember like the, the final round showcase. I remember it was June of that year in 03. I, I went up on stage and I crushed it. Like it was one of those sets, like where you're like, man, I, I feel sorry. Forever has to go after me. Cause it was just one of them, <laughs> just like, like, you know, you just, yeah, you just put the hammer down and you know, I, I walk off stage and I, and I, and I, you know, and I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in. And so a few weeks later, everybody's waiting on the call to get new faces and everything. And I had a couple friends call me and say, Hey, I got in. And I'm like, Oh, good hey (laughs) and i'm like my phone hasn't rang and i and and i found out they're like well well you know and everything's really politicky with that stuff and they're like you know well it's your first year showcasing so you know we're gonna wait and you know and in that time yeah i had done my first tv spot i did uh the craig Kilborn show (laughs) at the time and uh you know just everything was starting to you know come together for me as far as like you know at least moving away from cutting grass. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, what happened was like, you know, I got left off the new faces roster and then somebody at my management company, which was Bristol gray at the time, they put in a call and they're like, Hey, you know, you didn't take anybody from us or whatever. So can you, you know, you should put our guy in. And they added me as the 21st new face, actually. It was, uh, no, and, man. and, uh, you know, I, and I was like, well, I'm a, I trust me on whoever did me that favor. I still don't know who was, but, uh, I was like, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, make the most out of that. And they're all like, yeah, 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 whatever. And yeah, I, I went up there and I, and all those, all those years of going and working the door and taking that beating. That's where you start to realize how much that, how valuable that experience was because man, you know, I because I, I remember I was in the, the they do uh early show and a late show in New Faces and I did the early show and I remember you know it was still it was still daylight outside you know it's July <laughs>
3: everybody's
2: like you know everybody I was like ninth out of 11 I think in the um in in the lineup and I remember all the comics are coming backstage like man this crowd's they're so stiff and they're so you know this sucks man they're there it's too early for the show blah 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 and and I'm thinking you know I'm used to going on to the comedy store with <laughs> people, you know, and three of them will probably leave in the middle of it, you know, and I, and, and you go through that grind. And so when you're like, what, there's, there's a hundred people here. Who, that, really? You can't, you know, it's like, I, I, there's no way I can, even if none of them speak English, I feel like I can make them laugh. And, uh, <laughs> And, and that's, that's, I, yeah, I was like, yeah, it just really, you know, you don't like it while you're struggling, but man, that struggle, it sure does help. It sure does pay off when you get, when you, when you get your chance, you know, to, 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 you know, really cash in on it. And that's what happened, man. I was really, I, I was ready. I was really ready for that situation.
1: So no. we're, going to, we're going to dive deeper into, uh, into performance and stuff and writing and, and everything that, that got you there to be ready for that set. But one thing I want to stop, to, stop, and talk about, cause we haven't talked about this yet with anybody on the show, is you talked about going from doorman to cutting and cutting grass to showcasing and cutting grass. Uh, and then you talked, you said management. Okay. So that's something that, that when, when do you think is the right time? How did you find your manager? Dive into that a little bit for some of the comics. listening. I think that's important.
2: Well, for me, it was, um, you know, I, I, uh, it was actually when I was still working the door. I, uh, there was a, um, I remember there was a, there was a Monday night show at the comedy store that like was, it was supposed to be, it was all, um, it was slam poetry, actually. It was a mm-hmm. slam poetry show. And, I, and the woman who ran the show though, she was, she was also a comic and she was uh, a friend of mine and she you know she liked my comedy and she she used to put me up in the middle of the slam poetry show to do stand-up and i you know and i would go up and i and i you know i'd usually have a pretty good set and i one of those nights i remember i had a i had a really good set and and, and you know i come off stage go back to work in the back door at the comedy store i changed <laughs> shirts i always would change shirts i didn't want like i would like i like i was really you know, like I was like Clark Kent or something like, like it, was, it, it really did make a difference in my mind. that I didn't want to go on stage wearing my uniform, my my all black. Like I had to put a shirt over it as if anybody was going to be fooled and be like, oh, that's not the doorman. But
3: it,
2: <laughs> it, was, it was the doorman. But I, um, I, I, I would I, I, I went on. I had a great set and whoever there was a guy there who worked. He was actually a junior manager who worked under a, a, a senior manager at, at Brillstein gray. And, uh, and, you know, he came along and, you know, we sort of, it, 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 he started to talk to me and at the same time, a couple other management companies approached me. I remember, I remember there were like three different ones that, you know, I guess, yeah, in LA, they just sort of, you know, they're around, you know, and it's usually the lower level guys who are around. So, you know, I, you know, I remember they were, they were all kind of, you know, and and that's the thing is that when you're young like that, you don't really know what would make a good manager though. Like, yeah, I I don't know if I did, it took me probably another 10 years to really realize that. And, uh, so, you know, you don't really know what you're looking for. I knew that real gray was a, you know, was a, was a pretty reputable company and I knew that they did a lot, but, you know, I didn't know what that would mean for me. Uh, and the only thing I really came, like my decision, really came down to. It ended up being between the guy Bristol Gray and then one other guy. And the other guy, he was at a uh, really good company too. I forget what I think it was. Uh, uh, I, I forget what, but anyway, the the other guy was was all. They were both like sort of neck and neck as far as well. Do I go with that manager or that manager? And then I remember the 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 this guy over here. I remember he booked me at a show at an improv in uh, Orange County, and I remember we were talking before the show, and he said he was from Chicago, and I was a big Chicago Bulls fan, and, and, you know, when Jordan was playing, and I, I like, everybody was, I guess, but um, I, and I remember we started talking about that. He's like, oh, I'm from Chicago. I'm like, yeah, I love the Bulls. I was such a big fan while they were, while Jordan was there, and he's like, yeah, I always thought Pippen was better than Jordan. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess I... <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to be in with my career because <laughs> i was like that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard yeah. in my life so <laughs> i i literally i mean it sounds like a joke i made the decision based on that oh, you didn't. no I like, no that's you're it's, suspect
1: <laughs> it's not a bad i mean even so you as a kid that's not a bad way to make your decision because you would have been pipping and not jordan in your career if you'd listened to this guy but exactly but, but you said something interesting again too 10 years later you said you you kind of knew more of what you would have been looking for so it, a comic in that in that decision point you know a lot of them are younger right what what advice could you give them
2: well um you know i I guess uh you know early on i mean i think it's just it's it's a situation where you know you're you're trying to feel legitimized you're trying to like get to you know a place where you know you don't feel like it's just a hobby anymore you know you you want to feel like you're a professional and a professional would have a manager so i think you know, you know. It, as long as you don't make any commitments, really, you're, you're okay. Because I never really had, ever signed a contract with a management company. But you know, I think that uh, you the, the best way to go about it is 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 to. Uh, I think where I made a mistake is I I signed on with a junior manager and I didn't realize how hamstrung that would make somebody. You know, but I I think you look at their number one, you would look at their client list, you know, see who else they have. But I think it's like, I think if, if somebody is the thing that I wish I had done was I wish I had, uh, uh, found a manager who, who, who like was the head guy, the guy who runs the company Mm -hmm. versus the guys who just work for the guy who runs the company or, or work for the guys who work for the guys who run the company. so it's like, I think like somebody who is, uh, accomplished, number one, um, and and is, uh, you know, it would help also if, if, you know, if they had a client list that sort of like, you know, had, was similar or, or, you know, was sort of like in the same comedy, like sort of like the range, like style, genre, you know? Mm-hmm. like So they sort of understood, because you really need somebody who doesn't just think that, you know, oh, other people think you're funny, so, uh, you know, you must be worth yeah. representing you want to you want a manager who really is a genuinely a fan so i think you should really like look for things like where you really understand like you know where you're like oh this guy really does understand or or woman really understands what i'm doing you know versus like you know well and you know other people like you so i'm going to represent you it's more like they really get it and they get why you know you know, you, you should be, they should represent you over somebody else, you know? And, and as long as they don't think Pippin's better than Jordan, I think <laughs> is, uh, is a good rule of thumb. <laughs> That's to be
0: your first question for your manager always. Absolutely. Who is better, Jordan or Pippin? <laughs> th- one thing we always, and I love to, to just, it's kind of an open-ended question, take it wherever you want. Um, but in general, uh, let's dive into this. How does John Caparulo write comedy? Um, poorly, <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> not true, not true at all.
2: You know, I, I mean, the thing is, is, uh, I, I went through probably at least the first five or six years of my career thinking, you know, you know, I gotta, I, I remember this was back before, you know, smartphones and stuff. So I like, I, you know, you buy the yellow notepad, you know, and you, you, yep. you'd be like, all right, I'm gonna write some, some bits today. And, you know, I got to, you know i got to figure out how to write because that's what you know it's you just feel like well that's your job that's you know you should you know write cuz that's what i've always hated too is like i i i hate not having anything new to talk about i hate when i'm just i feel like i'm hacking my own bits if i'm just doing them too much you know like and, and yeah. it just you know and you want to yeah. feel like you're always growing and writing and you know so uh <laughs> the thing i had to realize about myself was that you know, I, I can't, I can't sit and just write, you know, jokes. It's just not, it's just not funny. So usually something would come up in conversation or something like that, you know, with somebody else and it, you know, I, I would be like, Oh, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's funny. That might be a good bit. And I, you know, I realized that like, if I, if I could find one good punchline, like that, I, that I was confident enough that I know I could get a laugh with one good punchline, then I would be confident enough to start going to do that bit. And mm-hmm. then, and then, if I had that one punchline, then I had enough to build around. And then I generally would write on stage. I mean, because it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like what, uh what, um, the adrenaline will do for you. Like, and what you, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, I mean, like I said, like with my caplet series, like I, I would always write those. The most of those uh, uh, sets, I would write them on the way to the show in the car because that's when my adrenaline was highest. You know, mm-hmm. and I would be so amped up and like you know you know when you really feel like the pressure going that that adrenaline's going that's when you're sort of in your own comedy voice in your head so you know Mm. that's when things you you start to yeah i've written i've written a lot of bits and lines waiting to go on stage like literally (laughs) like because it's the only time like i sort of get in that that You know the juices are flowing. You know we're we're, you know I don't I'm not I'm not distracted by anything else. I'm like you know I hear I'm ready to go. There's an audience in front of me. I'm like you know and that's what that's so how I write is like it's really unprofessional. I think the way I do (laughs) comedy because you know I I really should be more of an adult, more of a you know. But it's comedy's not that you know. It's just it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be you know so. To to get in that mode, you kind of got to be, you know, it's got to be silly and it's got to be sort of, you know, exciting and spontaneous. So for me, it's like I, 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 you know, I would find a topic and then I would if I had one good punchline, I'd go on stage with it and then I could build around it. Once I once I heard those laughs, it laughs. It really it's like gas on a fire
1: for me. It seems so you, you mentioned in the beginning, five to six years, you were, you were still kind of writing and doing all that stuff. You've, you've, you've got enough experience as a comic to be able to, to afford to do this. So, uh, I wouldn't call it unprofessional or anything. I just, I would call it experienced. And I, and and even myself, as I'm preparing for a big show, you're exactly right. Is that once your back is up, once your, your back is against the wall, forced to come up with some new bits, that's where (laughs) it comes from. And yeah. And so that's really inspiring. Uh, Now I I just got to get five to six years in and and be able to do it all the time and consistently like, like you're able to do.
2: Right. Right. And I, and I think, you know, I guess, you know, you're going to have to be several years in to the point where, you know, you at least have enough stage time too, that you can sort of count on, you know, I mean, because it's such a struggle early on to even, to even get on stage, you know, and, and get an audience. So, you know, you, you you do feel have to feel like you you're preparing. I remember my my first time on like in '97 when I went to my when I decided I'm really gonna try it because I'm gonna go you know do do stand up. You know, I I, uh, I remember I had to call the place. It was in Cuyahoga Falls. It's still there. It's under a different name now, but it, it's uh, anyway. I was it, I before like I had to schedule the three minute open mic spot. I think it was two or three months ahead of time. Like it was, I had a long time before I actually, you know, to think about it and because they were so backed up and there were so few open mics at the time in that area. So I had a long time. And I remember the day that the day of, you know, it was June 2nd of 97. I, I, I had to, I had to go home early from work because I hadn't written a set yet because I'm like, <laughs> oh, I don't, you know, because I just could, you know, every night I would be like, all right, today I'm going to write it tonight. And I wouldn't do it, you know, just it, it because there was no pressure. It wasn't coming that day. And it was like, you know, and somehow, you know, I, I, you know, I put myself through all the stress and anxiety and that anxiety produced a, you know, a three minute set of, fairly decent comedy that I up, And yeah. And I, and you know, and after that time and after every time for the next several years, it was like, all right, I'm not going to do that to myself again. I'm going to be really prepared next time I go on stage. And I wasn't, and, and you know, <laughs> it never, really, never really changed. So
0: yeah, that's, that's funny. One of the questions that we typically ask is what do you do per, to prepare for a set? Clearly, what you do is you write your set. <laughs> like <laughs> Once you know, you have something booked, that's when you start the writing process. Pretty so much. Should, yeah. Maybe we yeah. should jump past that question and go, what do you do? Let's say just the moments before you get on stage, uh, you've, you've already, you you wrote your set in the car on the way over. What do you do? Uh, you know, one minute, five minutes before you step on stage.
2: Well, for me, it's like, I, you know, I'm trying to find a, uh, basically, a, 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 you know, a, a, a bullpen or, a, you know, an on-deck circle, someplace like that I can really, you know, sort of get in my zone. And, you know, I like to pace, you know, a lot of, because it's just so much energy. I mean, I used to be, I guess before I went on stage, you know, when I was younger, it was, you know, fear that, oh God, this is, I'm, gonna, I'm this is going to suck so bad and these people are going to hate me. Now, you know, then, and I think maybe it's like that now because of the COVID thing and I don't go on stage as much, but I, uh, <laughs> um, but, but, you know, as it evolved into a more of a sort of a caged animal thing where it's like, all right, all right, I'm going to get out there. just, all right, let's go. You know, so you just sort of, so, you know, I just, I need my own place to be in my own head, especially before, you know, I did caplets because those were always new material, but. You know, I I thought about this later on too. Like, you know, when I was coming up at the comedy store and stuff like that, like it was always hard for me. Like, you know, because I'd be ready, getting ready to go on. You know, and there's always a bunch of comics around. Yeah. You know, somebody come over and want to talk to me or something like that, and it's like I am. I'm a really nice guy. After I get off stage, <laughs> like, after yeah. my set's over, I yeah. What you know, I'm in a good mood, but. I, you know, before it happens, I, I'm a real dick (laughs) before I go on (laughs) stage. Like I'm so riddled with anxiety and just all kinds of just, so I, I, you know, I need my own bubble preferably before I walk up there because yeah. And and, you know, and you want to, I want to feel invisible. That's the weird thing, I guess, about, I hate to ramble on this, but, but as you get, I guess, as you become more known, like by the audience and stuff, like once they come to see you it's really awkward like to, you know, to walk in the back of the room and to wait to go on because somebody might see you and they go, you know, Hey cap. And it's like, you don't want to feel like any of them, like you just want to feel invisible before you walk up there, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's really, uh, so it's just, it's a real anxiety filled experience where it's just like, I, I want, yeah, I don't want, I just don't want to deal with anybody or anything. I just want to be in my own head before I go on and get ready. Yeah
0: yeah that makes perfect sense i think as a as a new a newer comic we always have that anonymity with the crowd we you know all the only the only other people that know us are the other comics so i can i can walk around and do whatever i want and no one's going to talk to me no one's gonna Nobody, me yeah like if,
2: if somebody walks by you and goes hey do you know where the restroom is or something yeah. like that they don't realize that you're gonna be on stage in a minute you know and they are yeah. like hey and that was a be- guy I asked to go where the bathroom is like because you know because at that time you're just a face in the crowd until yeah, yeah and it, it does it you know and for the most part it's like I, I you know I haven't become anywhere near famous enough that that doesn't still happen but I mean you know it just becomes it, you yeah. know it, it becomes less you know where it's like yeah you just you feel like you're more exposed i guess yeah. before you set. yeah
0: well it could totally throw you off if you're if you're trying to get in some headspace and people want to come up and talk to you and, and and chop it up with you uh and they're not yeah. other comics you can say hey get on my face bro i'm about to go up you know like you can you can totally tell other comics to leave you alone it's hard to well, tell <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: some of them <laughs> <laughs>
1: well let's uh let's do this Drew. uh because we already we already hit on a lot of the writing stuff uh i'm gonna queue up the the clip and it's a part of the caplet series if you would john just just tell us about this moment in time and and you in and what you were doing with this project because it's, it's pretty incredible and we're excited to review one with you so talk about caplets a little bit
2: uh caplets um it came up but after i did my first two uh one hour specials uh, uh you know i um yeah, I just, I just felt like, you know, I, I, they, they just, they, there was nothing inherently special about either one. I, You know, the the comedy I did in them was, I, I'm proud of, I worked on, it was, uh, you know, I, it was good, but I felt like the special itself was just like, you know, when you watch a comedy special or if you, you, you know, like I generally can't watch them back over because it's so disappointing, but, but it's like. You just realize that the, the energy that you felt in that room, in that moment, in the live show is never, it just doesn't come through the screen very well. It's, it's never the same. You know, you just never feel like, man, I felt like that was better than it was, you know, or whatever. And, it, it, and then when you see it back, you're like, yeah. And, you know, I, I just, my first two specials were just, you know, okay. John Caparulo does an hour of stand up. Here's another comedy special, but it's not that much different from a thousand other specials that you saw. so I was like, well, how can I do something that's sort of more unique and different and at the same time, you know, you know YouTube was becoming more prevalent, and things like that online stuff I've never i've always you know I've never been into social media. I'm just more like yeah, I always say I didn't get into comedy to type, so I'm just like <laughs> it's not really. You know, I, so I'm like, I, you know, how can I put something out more frequently and more often? And I thought, you know, because I mean, working on a special for several years, it, it, it's becoming sort of an antiquated process because, you know, I remember it, at, the, at the time, actually, when I came up with it, some guy, I did a set or I did a show in uh, at a casino in Minnesota and uh, some guy in the front row had his phone and recorded like the first half of my set. And put it out on YouTube, and it was like you know it was a really bad camera. I don't think anybody would really sit through it and watch it, but yeah. it still made me understand. It was like you can't hide like you used to to develop mm. your, you know, your next special for a year or two years or three years or whatever. So I'm like, okay, you know, I had become sort of, mm. I guess, uh, pretty uh, adept at you know writing new stuff and you know. It, it, you know, just from, you know, all this stuff, all the years at the comedy store, or the time on Chelsea lately, you know, having to write comedy quickly, you know, write bits quickly. And I, so I was like, you know what, why don't I just put out new stuff uh more often and put it online, like instead of, essentially instead of making an album, put out singles. And uh so I was like, all right. So I started, you know, coming up with the idea for Caplets, and it, it was more or less like, constructing a tonight show set every time, you know, so it was like taking the, you know, a little package of material and sort of, you know, making a full set out of it and rounding it off at the edges and everything. So I, it, it, yeah, when, when we came up with the idea with it, it was just, yeah, I just thought it'd be just that. I mean, just doing a new, do new material every 30 days to, to put out on YouTube and my website and, it was challenging after about four or five of them, I was like, "I'm out of bits shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right so uh and yeah.
0: how many how many did you end up doing? what's that? How many did you end up doing total?
2: I think there were forty five it, it wow. might have been forty four, but it was it was either forty four or forty five It was something like that it, 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 it's uh um yeah and and that, that was we did the first 36 in uh hermosa in, er, Beach uh at comedy Magic Club. And then that's when that I, I told a joke about Trump and the woman threw a glass at me and that caused all kinds of just, yeah, it was, it would end up on TMZ and stuff. So it was like, it was a, there was a falling out there. So I ended up moving my moving caplets to the ice house in Pasadena and I did the rest of them there until we moved to Vegas. And I I really regret, I, I, I wish, you know, if, if things ever go back to what was normal, I would like to, you know, Start doing caplets again from, uh, from, from the room in Vegas. So yeah, it's, yeah. uh, it was, I, I liked the project. I really did. I thought it was a cool idea.
0: Yeah, it's great. It created some great material and let's, we're going to watch that video. Uh, and then we'll, we'll chat with you afterwards. Let's take a look at this one. John Caparulo caplets. Cool.
2: It's good to come down to the beach or most of the beach. I like it. Yeah. It's, I, I like the beach, the ocean. Cool. Not so much um, I've never actually been in the ocean my my uh, my wife is really she's younger than I am she's ten years younger than I'm so she's got a lot of fucking energy I hope it wears off because uh I can't match it um but yeah she always wants to do shit and um so she has the schedule stuff I mean. Yeah, what do you want to do on your day off? That
3: <laughs> fucking
2: stare straight forward. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she got me to go, she had me to go down to uh, what was it, Long Beach? We went uh, whale watching. You ever go whale watching? <laughs> we went we went whale searching. Really, we didn't see shit. <laughs> how how many businesses can you get away with that in? I mean. Like, if you went to the movies and they were like, we think Tom Hanks might show up. (laughs) I wanted to tell everybody else on the boat, you ain't gonna see shit, because I'm here. (laughs) Everywhere I go, I'm a week late for life. Everywhere I go, oh, John, you should have been here last week. (laughs) Oh, last week was fucking magical, John. We had whales as far as the eye could see last week. (laughs) They were doing tricks and telling fucking jokes and shit last week. Yeah, I should have been here. And mermaids giving us hand jobs and everything. You should have Johnny missed me. But since you're here, we have a half dead trout off the starboard bow. We saw a lot of dolphins, and you would think, I mean, you'd be, if you saw a dolphin, you'd be like, oh, fucking sweet, a dolphin. But when you expect whales, you're just like, fuck out of here, dolphin, Whatever, yeah, we see. You're happy and frolicking. The fuck on, I don't fucking pay for this shit. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, my wife, she gets me to go out on some adventures. She got me to go horseback riding. That hurts. <laughs> I like animals. I never rode one. <laughs> It's a freaky concept when you think of it that way. Like, I'm trusting an animal for transportation. Like, I wouldn't let my dog fucking drive. And I mean, I've known him for eight years. I mean, I just met this horse. We went on like, it was like a trail ride up like, uh, like Santa Barbara up in the mountains. They give you like a trail guide and he's a real cowboy and a fucking hard ass. So it says here on your form, John, you never rode a horse before. No, sir, I haven't. Well, we'll see if we can make a man out of you today. It's not really what I came for, but
3: uh, okay. <laughs>
2: and I mean, my wife had ridden a horse before, so you know, the two of them, they just fucking hop on their horses like we're all on fucking Bonanza or some shit. like. I'm standing on the ground like a dope. Guy's like, come on, mount up, John. We got to get going. I'm like, is he going to sit down or something? I mean, come on. You know I can't climb. Oh, I forgot you never rode a horse before. Let me get the stairs for you, little pussy. I'm like... And the stairs are fucking humiliating, because... The stairs have no banister, so I gotta I gotta hold his fucking hand. Uh-oh. Oh, don't drop me, Hoss. Oh here take my hanky for your tears, sweetheart. Why the handkerchief guys always offer their gross fucking hanky to everybody? Like, if you sneeze or something, they're like, oh, hey, my, my pocket full of boogers will help that out. <laughs> so we get out on a trail. My horse didn't want to go. I mean, I'm trying. I'm Like, I couldn't imagine that. like, like, like before cars, when people actually needed them. Hey, how come you're always late for work? Oh, because my car doesn't respect me. So, um... <laughs> We're working it out, though. <laughs> guy, kept, guy kept, yelling at me. Come on, John, get a move on. You're you're holding us up. For <laughs> what? what? Are we late for a fucking gunfight or some shit? I don't. I, you can't get one horse moving, shit. I ride every one of these horses every day. I I get up at four o'clock every morning and ride a bull into town, drink some whiskey, and fuck your dad. Cause I'm a man, John. Who are you? broke a branch off a tree he's like if you don't want to go you just hit him with this stick i'm like oh thank you sir i will do no such fucking thing but i appreciate the suggestion <laughs> he weighs a thousand pounds and he's giving me a ride right now i was planning on being very fucking nice to him if you don't mind i mean <laughs> if he do not want to go we'll just be here really I, I, you know where we are My horse kept eating grass, which I don't care, nobody's betting on us, I mean. (laughs) Don't let him graze, your horse is not allowed to eat while we're out here, why? I'm eating, Uh, he might as well eat, I'm getting crumbs all over his fucking back right now, I feel bad for my horse. I do, I feel bad for my horse, I feel like when we walked up, my horse said to her horse, like, watch, I bet I get him, you know I'm gonna get him. I always get the fucking tubby guy, and you know I always get the tubby guy. I'm a tubby guy horse. That's my life. We're getting back to, like, the end of the trail. We're getting back into, like, where the stable is. You know, he starts his whole spiel. You guys be sure to come back and see you sometime. I'm like, all right. That's never going to fucking happen, but uh, I'm just smiling and waving because I still need him to get the fucking stairs for me, so... me off the horse, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, he's like, come on, hold it. I'm like bracing myself on his shoulder and shit, and he's like, he's like, he's like, did you have a good time today, John? I'm like, I, besides the fact that my horse didn't want to move and the guide was a son of a bitch, I mean, I guess it was all right. Well, you should have been here last week, John, I mean, that's, that's I gotta go you guys have been great you guys are
1: absolutely very funny stuff one of the things that jumps out at me right away and actually a couple things so you talked about kind of having this anxiety it almost i want to say still even in these these sets years and years after doing it it, your nervous energy kind of shows up on stage and it almost becomes like part of your character in, in a way i think yeah. And, and then it's like, does this guy even know what he's doing? <laughs> and then, it, <laughs> and then, and then you just, you over the set, you prove us completely wrong. Cause you, you do these callbacks. Like I knew where I was going the whole time <laughs> and it's just, and after watching a bunch of these caplets, it's magic every time. So you're able to capture that, that, that lightning in a bottle every single time. So, um, just, I appreciate I guess, it. yeah, I wonder if one of the things I just, you know, storytelling. So my big question for you is. Uh, these stories, whether, you know, horseback riding or whale watching, do you know that they're funny in the moment? Is it all reflective or both as you're coming up with this material?
2: Um, you know, I never know in the moment. You know, I, I used to, uh, my mom always used to say, uh, you know, like, because, you know, I, 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 I'm I a, I'm a grouch, so I get pissed off about everything. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'd always be so flustered about this or that or whatever. And my mom would always say, you know, like, well, it's material. And I'm like,
3: the fuck because I mean,
2: you know, it, it just was uh, when, when, you know, because most of my material comes from stuff that is annoying or that bothers me. So w- when I'm going through it, it's like, you know, I'm not happy. I'm not happy that it hurts riding on this freaking horse and this mm. and this shit kicker is talking trash <laughs> on me and, and, and make me feel like hey, the, the biggest pussy in the world. Like I just, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it's not fun in the moment. You just, you, you, because you're in the moment. But then when you step outside of it, and then, you know, yeah, you start to. That's why I always valued those experiences, like you know, the, the ones, you know, my wife put me through or whatever, you know, take me out of my comfort zone because usually, you know, skydiving, she made me go do that early on in our relationship. And it was like, you know, stuff like that. It was always, I, I never, I didn't want to go do it. I, I would much prefer <laughs> to sit right here. And it's like, you know, but but going and doing that ends up, yeah. It just it it's it's valuable later, but no, during the time, no. It's it's.
0: I think it was Tom Takar we were talking with, um, and who mentioned that he th- always thought the and correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, thought that angry funny was mm-hmm. like the the best thing you could if you could be angry and funny at the same time. That was like, and he referenced like Will Ferrell, who yeah just kind of mastered that. And I think you're kind of in that, in that zone where your anger is very funny. Like as we're watching you be so frustrated, it is hilarious. Like I'm never once like riled up in in an angry place. It's hilarious to see you get (laughs) upset kind of, sort of right.
2: Right. And I think I, you know, that's something that, um, you you kind of learn about yourself, you know, because, until you do stand up a lot, you know, you start to realize that was a, that's the key thing I think to when they say finding your voice is learning how people see you, you know, and sort of learning how to play off that. So Mm -hmm. I learned early on that, you know, I mean, I, you know, as as, well, early on, I was, (laughs) I was much thinner, but I mean, I was, small and, uh, what is What's the word? Non-threatening. Mm. So, you know, that's why I could get away with a lot more cussing and a lot more just, you know, you could sort of push the envelope more being, you know, because the guy's harmless, what's he going to do? You know? And it's sort of like that's So yeah, when you get frustrated and angry, you know, you kind of know that people, you know, are, they see that as, as funny because, you know, it's like, it's just, it's, you know, he's like, what's he going to do? Nothing. So, yeah. Like yeah if you you were
0: six foot six and 300 pounds and whatever, and you were getting angry, people would have seen it differently.
2: Right. Right. Or, or good looking. (laughs) that can be a real that can be a real drawback when you're trying to make people laugh because yeah especially if you're good looking because if you look at a you take a couple who's watching your show you know you know if if the dude thinks like you might you know his girl laughing at you might threaten his status with her that could be a problem but I never really seem to arouse that sort of feeling in anybody (laughs) so uh, I always got away it is like yeah just I'm going I was always a good third wheel, you know, before I got into the comedy. So that's what, you know, as that's, that's what I am on stage.
0: Got to tell you, I was pretty aroused by that set. It was it was great. Um <laughs> so th- your storytelling is so fun and it feels so free. How much like the way you perform it makes it feel like you are literally just writing every word of that in the moment, but it's not all like that what's happening with these stories? I mean, there's obviously there's punchlines in them. So you're, you're not just coming up with it off the, off the cuff, but is there some element of that? What's going on with the storytelling style that you have?
2: Um, well, I think the thing is, is it kind of goes back to, um, the idea, the, 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 concept of writing on stage, because, you know, I, I, you know, i still have people come up to me after shows now, and they'll be like, you know, uh, are you just thinking all of that in the moment? You know, are you just coming up with that at the top of your head? And, you know, I always tell them that like, you know, it, it, everything was written that way. So it was like, when I write it, the fir- when I do it the first time, it generally is spontaneous. It generally is something that, you know, I think of like, you know, I take, I'll I'll take like, sort of like, I have sort of a, I guess a, 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 you know, a, a, a choppy delivery. So there's like a, you know, a long pause and then I'll, I'll hit. And a lot of that, you know, the first time I said those lines, it was because I was really trying to think of something to say. And I, I, you know, I, it's almost like a defense mechanism really that I, that I maybe was born with or naturally cultivated, but it's like, you know, I, I have a defense mechanism. like, okay, before this crowd turns on me and starts to hate me, I can say something funny that will disarm them. And mm. that's sort of like, that's so everything sort of got written. Like when I do when storytelling and everything, it's like, you know, I mean, I, that's sort of what made me want to do comedy is I used to, you know, be a good storyteller who, you know, I would add punchlines and stuff like that. And, but you know, I, the delivery sounds as spontaneous because that's how it was written. I wrote it that way. So if, if I didn't just come up with it today, I'm trying to deliver it in the same way that when I just came up with it. So.
0: Yeah. Well, you're it's perfect. It's, it feels real. And we all know that, um, audiences love it when you are, when it feels genuine and real and now, and that's why crowd work is so powerful. I think your whole, delivery and your whole set feels very genuine and now and in the moment and so i would imagine that you you, most of your crowds just lock in with you you just hold their attention because it feels so uh in, in the moment
2: usually i mean a lot of times like i'm on stage and i you know I don't feel like I. I feel like you know. Uh, like I can't understand why they would pay attention to me. You know, <laughs> like, <I'm laughs> like this is yeah. I'm like really like you guys are. You guys really care. <laughs> I mean, cause, you know, I mean because some you know because you're with yourself enough that you know it's not really that you know it's not that entertaining to you. And that's why writing new stuff is always so essential because so it keeps you really interested and 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 enthusiastic. But yeah, it's um. You know, it's it's something that I guess, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I guess I learned a long time ago what, you know, what what makes me funny and what is what people see when they look at me. So and learning how to play that like an instrument mm. is sort of like that's sort yeah. of the, the quest that we're all on.
1: Yeah. And that, so that, like you identified earlier, that's, that's the finding your voice. I talked to a lot of experienced comics. Be like, you need to find your voice. i like, don't stop saying that. What does that mean? But, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's almost the unwritten thing. It's, it's, you just, you know, when, when you've established that and that's a good yeah. point. And, and a lot of it is what you just said that, you know what you look like to audiences when you arrive on stage. One thing I want to ask you about uh, specific to that. So, two things actually you leave the mics mic in the stand right and so you here so that and, and, and almost everything i've seen that that's your and maybe that that is always your your thing uh, and then also you wear shirts of like pop culture references and i started doing that like as a dad i come like a dad you know and i wear like simpson shirts just like you got those uh i would wear like break breaking bad stuff whatever you know whatever it is uh but people advise against it because they can say it's distracting i, I don't how do you, i disagree with that but i stopped doing it too so uh <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: Um, you know, I, 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 okay. Let's see. Well, as far as the clothing thing goes, um, you know, I went through a, I went through a, a good, probably five year stretch where, in which I wore literally nothing but, uh, Hanes white t-shirts, plain white. it was when I was thinner. Cause it's not flattering <laughs> when you're fat. It just doesn't, it doesn't go well with fat, but, uh, when, you know, I went through a stretch because you know, I started out my career, you know, wearing like, you know, football jerseys and, you know, sports stuff and everything. And, you know, that can be a problem because, you know, if if you're wearing a team that somebody doesn't like or whatever, they're going to start, you know, heckling over that shit or whatever. And, and, and what I wanted, what I realized was I wanted to make my wardrobe as like non-distracting as possible. I just, I wanted somebody to to look at me and not just, you know, there it is. Okay. I'm not worried about what he's wearing. You know, he said, and, and plus, you know, I, I, I still wanted to feel very relaxed. So the the t-shirt jeans hat look is, you know, that what, that's what made me feel the most relaxed. Like I was hanging out at my buddy's house or something. So Mm -hmm. that, that, that made a, a, a big difference, but, um, and then what was it? What was the first thing you oh,
1: said? The mic. I was asking about the mic stand. And I imagine is that so, oh. you're, you're so expressive with um, your hands. That,
2: the mic stand actually came from uh, for about two years, I think, maybe longer. I hosted Potluck at the Comedy Store. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, I would, uh, you know, it, you know, people would go on three, three, three minutes at a time. And, you know, you'd have 20 of sometimes just the most disastrous set you've ever seen in your life. I mean, some just, you know, a lot of homeless people looking for a warm place to be. So they just, you know, that's where they're at. So, you know, in order to keep that show going, because the show starts at seven and it's got to go till two, you know, and I don't have somebody take over for me until like 10 30. So essentially what I would do, it was between those sets, you know, I just leave the mic on the stand and it just made me feel freer. You know, and just be like, all right, I don't have to worry about holding it where it is. And it just felt more casual. It -hmm. becomes a problem when I move too far away from it and stuff. And people can't hear as well, which has always been a pain in the ass throughout my career. But it's like it that's where that came from is just is hosting potluck and just having to improvise a few seconds of stuff and then bring somebody up. And yeah,
0: we need to get you on that Britney Spears headset garth brooks britney spears headset thing man. that's good that could be your that could be, that could be solve all your problems <laughs> right.
2: you know what we I, I we talked about that for a minute we were, uh, i i was I, I didn't know if like somebody made like a, a, a wireless like boom mic that i could put i could stick <laughs> right here you know and just have <laughs> That'd it be awesome like right th- nobody could see it just yeah it'd be perfect because i remember i did a tour actually with a guy named tommy tiernan from ireland uh, he, uh, we did the just for last tour in, in Canada and he did the, he had the Bobby Brown headset, you know, oh, wow. and he did his, his whole set. And, and for me, it just, it, I, it would, it would go against the rest of the, the wardrobe and sort of the idea of feeling relaxed is like, if I, if I feel like an air traffic controller, it's like, <laughs> it's going to be a little awkward. So yeah, I never went with it, but I would look if I was able to stick something like right there, but yeah, then just have but you still have to have the mic as a prop cause it looks weird. Yeah. You know, you you, you need that. You, it, it's sort of a fence between you and the audience, you know, yeah. to just kind of guard you too. It does. It, it is sort of a, um, a security blanket in some ways.
0: It makes me want to try it. It makes me want to be like, okay, how about the next set I do? I'm going to leave the mic in and see how that affects my delivery.
2: Give it a shot. Like seriously. Cause it does, it, it, it does free you up, you know, to, to just, yeah yeah you're not worried about it's just there
0: yeah be something to try if you haven't done it before maybe Well, well let's let's do this we're gonna
1: queue up our last segment john it's called last laugh play a quick graphic pop pop uh all right so so the way this is gonna work john is uh you have uh your tombstone you need to be remembered by one joke it could be yours or or somebody that you respect in comedy uh what would be what what would you have written on what choke would be in your tombstone?
2: One second. My, I I have a there's a cat outside this door who I,
1: I can hear will it. not stop meowing. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear, so I'm
2: gonna let her in. So she'll shut the fuck up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that cat's got quite the meow on it. It was, yeah, p- I, it was power meowing. Thank
2: you, hi. I'm back. that's yeah. what I want on my tombstone is uh hold on, this cat won't shut up. <laughs> 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 I, um, you know, uh, thinking about that, I, um, I, you know, I, hmm, I think for my tombstone, huh, you know, I, I I'm going to, let's see, you know, it's a toss up between a couple of bits that I, that, that are, that are favorite, but I, I'm going to say, um, uh, I, 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 I'm going to say on my tombstone, no, Pepsi is not okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's good. That's I, I did a bit about that you know, is, is Pepsi okay? Is, is Canadian money okay? No, because Pepsi sucks. Um, <laughs> either that, but I, I don't think, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Pepsi is not okay. How about that?
0: We'll it. <laughs> i like it i like it hey well uh tell everyone where what you have going on right now how they can find you online um and what you have coming up in the future that they need to keep their eyes out for
2: um well i uh, uh obviously uh, uh john If you can spell john caparulo you're good um <laughs> but uh i i you know since the uh since the 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 whole pandemic thing has been going on uh You know, like I said, I've been trying to uh, launch an animated project, cartoon comic, for a while. I can't draw, so that makes that very slow process. But um, uh, what what I started doing uh, a couple months into the 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 whole thing, the shutdown, was uh, I started recording uh, new stand up at home and giving it to an animator friend of mine, uh, Seth Feinberg. Who, who's in new york and he puts it together with some like some 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 like sort of like cutaways and things like that it's kind of fun to watch like it's uh but they're called cartoon comic also they're on my youtube channel my website uh we have four episodes of that that are uh, that are out so um you know we're trying to you know i i would love people to check those out because i would love to make i still want to make this uh you know, I want to make a series. I want to make I want to turn myself into a cartoon so I don't have to look at my own fat face on TV. anymore. <laughs> but uh, um, that still waiting for my Vegas show to come back. Uh, I'm going uh, I'll be in Tampa in December. And, you know, I I. Uh, what is it? What, what's the oh, in my comic book series, also cartoon comic. So, yeah, just go to my website and you'll find out about all that stuff. So that's about it
1: john Caparulo.com. Well hey, John, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Uh thank we, you guys. A lot of great information shared for comics and uh and what an incredible career you've had and, and excited that you keep it going. And that is by far the most creative thing I've heard done in in the uh in the wake of a pandemic by a comic. So excited. Yeah. Well, I appreciate uh,
2: that. That's cool. That's cool to hear, man.
1: Yeah, keep well, thank working on the guys. That project. I really
2: appreciate it. This is a great idea. I love doing this. So uh yeah. We can talk about some other bits sometime if you want.
1: That'd be great. Let's do it. All right, John. And thank you all for listening. This has been breaking down bits. Thank you. Thanks guys.
0: Thanks for listening to breaking down bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at breaking down bits on social media, visit the website breaking or shoot us an email at breaking down bits at gmail.com.